Today's podcast is sponsored by Al and Dean's Artifact Shop. Al and Dean's stocks a wide range of the finest artifacts from enchanted swords to magic lamps. This week only, they have a two-for-one offer on Excaliburs, Moliniers and Grails. Get on down to Alan Dean's for excellent deals on Elven Stars, Stormbreakers and Arkinstones. <sighs> I bought a Palantir from them last month. It turns out that you also have to fork out for a 12-month subscription, or they're just useless glass balls. Alan Dean. Alan Dean. That sounds oddly familiar. Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I, as always, am Russ, a.k.a. Morris, or Morris, a.k.a. Russ, and with me is my practical and yet somehow theoretical co-host. Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Roleplayers. Russ, as ever, it is a pleasure and an absolute delight to be here. Hey, we're not alone, uh, Peter. Russ, we are, in the words of the song of, by Olive, we're not alone. Uh, well, you're not alone, but neither am I. But that's not the point right now. What we're trying to say is that we have a special guest on. A very special guest. Anyway, Ed, um, delighted to see you. Delighted to see you. Uh, for those who, listeners who remember Ed's first appearance when he came to talk to us about um, his latest role-playing game release, which I think was Error Liars. Or well done. Well wrong. remembered. I was wondering if you'd remember. I, I cannot keep up with you because like, you just keep on producing like all these amazing quality products. So, Ed, it's, what, five years for Error the Consortium? You've got more stuff to talk about? It is very, very close to five years, and I have lots more stuff to talk about. Well, before we get onto that, though, why don't you tell me, Peter, what's caught your eye in the world of RPGs this week? There have been many things that caught my eye. Probably the standout one is one from, I'm going to try and pronounce it properly, Nerdalopedia, which is a website which had a very good article about how to go about building puzzles for dungeons but like taking it from a very not 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 in the sense of it gives you like lots of examples of how to do this but it takes it from a first principles and builds it up from there and i think that could be like a yeah it looks like a really good resource awesome that's a great idea yeah, um, yeah I'm, I'm just a bit miffed i didn't come up with it <laughs> <laughs> you can't well, you can't have all the ideas no, that, that is true you can't have uh, no one person that's just not fair <laughs> uh, yeah, Russ, what's caught your eye this week? So I was sent an email by our friend Tyler McConnell, long-time friend of the show. <sighs> hey, Tyler, how you doing? And uh, he is—he uh, says he's running the Twitter account for um, for a company mm-hmm. that's producing a range of dice. So this is a Kickstarter, oh, and yeah. I wouldn't normally put a Kickstarter in this bit of the show because we do the Kickstarter game later. But because it's Tyler, I'll make I'll make a little exception here. Um, so what we have here, we have a Kickstarter called the Spirit of um, Series 3 Dice Range. And uh, there's a whole bunch of different dice sets. There's 11 different dice sets. And each one's based off a different animal spirit. Oh, so they're different. okay. So they're d- essentially, they're sort of uh, see-through dice. Yeah, yeah. Transparent dice, each with a different colour theme, with this kind of like spirit-like thing like inside the dice. And then a the, spirit-like thing? I don't, I don't know how to describe it. A swirl, a... a colouring within the transparent okay. dice. Oh, so it's got a nice bit of marbleization going on, uh, yeah? And then on the uh, sort of high side of the dice, so on the 12, on the D12, and on the 6, on the D6 and all that, the the, the relevant animal is shown. So there's, there's, a, there's a spirit of the frog one, and there's a frog 
on the uh, on the high side. There's a, a dragonfly one, a shark one, gorilla, hummingbird, a whole load of them. But yeah, they're, oh, they're, that they're, they're really pretty little dice. And no one no one can ever have too many dice. What I like about these is the you know, they're they're, they're transparent dice but actually colourless. And it's just the, the swirl that is colour and that's it. There's no other colour in there. Which is something that I don't see super often, you know. I mean, I, I often see coloured dice with some marbling going on, but these are transparent dice with some swirl inside, which is interesting. Oh, yes, okay. Oh, yeah, like, because I was just looking at the... I didn't quite understand what all the first was about, because the still image that's at the start of the Kickstarter, I looked like it, I was like, yeah, great, yeah. whatever. It's like yeah. just... But no, okay, yeah, I'm, I, I'm seeing where that's working. Ooh, yeah, and, nice. and it's, it's, it's nice. It's a bit hypnotic, actually. I feel like I'm Ooh. expecting them to keep moving. <laughs> so that, yeah, the, the <laughs> that would be awesome. One day someone will invent that, and that will be awesome. Oh, constantly swirling dice. Liquid-filled dice. Uh, Ed, has uh, anything caught your eye in the in the world of RPGs in the last week or so? You know what's caught my eye, and, and I'm afraid it is another Kickstarter, but, you know, being on Kickstarter a lot. Actually, this one made me giggle a bit, and it's mm-hmm. called Cats and Cats. Have you guys come across called- that one yet? Oh yes, cats it was in and cats. Yeah, I was, I was going to put that in the Kickstarter cats. game, but I'm not going to now. <laughs> right, but um, Just yeah, no, really. um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, to play the Kickstarter game, what do you reckon it's about? Like well, it's about cats. <laughs> um, and uh, and I'm literally, the, the Kickstarter description bring uh, begins with cats, 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 catly cats, 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 and 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 mm. continues like that for some time. Yeah, I, I opened it up. It definitely made me laugh. Oh, yeah, cats shoot. Uh, from from, from the sort of from the own admission of the game designer, it's not an especially it's not an especially viable game. But um, I suppose it's <laughs> I suppose it's tickled a few people's senses of humour because uh, it's actually doing quite well. But yeah, I mean, I, I've I'm going to be honest. I, I've had my head down quite a lot. I've had quite a lot of things going on recently. But that did catch oh. my eye. I did think it was uh, certainly an interesting idea. Ish. Hmm, like, absolutely. like, is it an idea for a game? I can't really say it's an idea for a game because I don't know enough about it's it. A, it's but... an idea for a Kickstarter, is what it is. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> oh, was it was, was it on Kickstarter back in the day that they had somebody crowdfunding to make themselves a potato salad? Yeah, that's it was one right. of them, and it he, he made tons of money, didn't he? Loads yeah, of money. Yeah. I mean, it's it's funny how much things like that can bring in because they just appeal to the. Oh. Banality of the internet, you know the the boaty yeah, McBo- yeah. McBoat faced people, you know. Mm. <laughs> what <do> you say? <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, who wouldn't throw a couple of dollars at at, at something that just just went okay, fine? I'm putting no just effort into this whatsoever. Yeah. It's just a bit of fun. Absolutely, absolutely. Right. Okay. Shall we Ooh. do some news? Well, I suppose you could. We don't have to. This is a news podcast. Well, yeah. <laughs> Can we, can we just skip a bit where we talk about sci-fi books? Like, <laughs> we'll be there so soon. Cool, we will be there soon. Okay, fine. All right. Fine, I suppose we'll do some news then. All right, then. Let's do some news. <laughs> um, what, what's on the news? So what's that, the news? Um, do you remember we mentioned the uh, Radix and Rarities show, which was Deborah Ann Wolf from Daredevil and True Blood and some other shows? Yeah. She's yeah, running yeah. a tabletop RPG over on Geek and Sundry's I heard Alpha about this. Yes. subscription service. Um, so that, yeah, that, it's on, that launched it's last cur- week. It's currently on Project... It, yeah, it's on Project Alpha. Yeah, yeah. And they've got quite some good uh, good players. Cool. I know Kevin um, Smith is... Who, and Charlie Cox, yes, who's Daredevil himself. Is it? Oh, really? Yes. Okay, cool. I didn't even spot that. Ah, well, there you go. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it looks really interesting. 
I was going to watch it, but I thought, well, if I only get seven days free trial, maybe I'll wait, give it a couple of episodes, and then get up into it. But I, I, know, must, I must admit, I haven't seen it yet either. I was just kind of mentioning that it's launched, so the first episode was last week. So you can get it on the um, Project Alpha subscription service. Did you say there's a? Yeah, right. Did you say there's a seven day free? Seven day free trial. Oh, right. Yes. No, oh, in that case, yeah, I think I might wait a little bit and then and then give it a go once there's a few episodes to watch. Wait, wait, wait about a month or so. Get, get a couple of episodes in and see how it goes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just because, like, if I've seen one, I'll probably want to see more. Mm. Unless it's terrible, in which case I won't want to see any. Um, yeah. Sounds good. Have you, have you, are you vaguely aware of this, Ed, or have you just been yeah, uh, consumed? No, no, no. no. I, I, I am actually aware of this. I was targeted by a Facebook ad or something. And yeah, no, I mean, yeah. uh, I, I don't I don't particularly consume that kind of podcast personally. Uh, it, it's one of those things that tends to oh, suck oh, up oh. your life, uh, which I found when I listened to actually a podcast of Era of the Consortium that happened uh, shortly after the game came out. <laughs> um, and, and I found I didn't have enough time to do the things I was supposed to be doing while listening to podcasts of my own game. So yeah, I, I kind of I kind of steer clear of those personally, but um, I I completely understand the yeah. people who enjoy them. Um, and uh, yeah. Um, I, it sounds like it could could potentially I think, work I think, out really, really well. I think this well. one's slightly different. Again, I haven't seen it, but I don't think this is a straight. Oh. She's running a, a oh, like, critical not? role or something where she's running a game. I think I think there's a, that an element of that in it, but I think it's more of a show show. I'm not 100 percent sure. Oh. I, I haven't I, I haven't seen it. It's just the impression I've gotten from it. Well, we'll have to draw straws and see who uh, has to get the subscription to get, actually go and check this out. <laughs> so uh, in the news. Uh, that RPG Kickstarter Zine Quest thing. Zine Quest. I still say Zine. I know it's Zine. You do. I st- I'm going to continue it's saying okay. Zine. It sounds better to me. That RPG hey, Kickstarter. We know what you mean, and that's okay. Zine Quest. How important is pronunciation anyway? <laughs> <laughs> Magazine. That's how I say it. Magazine. That's how everybody should say it. <laughs> oh, as you recall, it's uh, an initiative by Kickstarter where they're encouraging people mm-hmm. to start Zines. Not Zines. Zines. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're giving them a little bit of extra promotion over on Kickstarter for yes, anyone who wants to start one. Um, so there's a whole bunch of them have started. Like over 20 have uh, dropped just in the last week, and there's a whole load more lined mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. Um, there's things like there's a mini dungeon monthly from um, AAW Games. There's Gammazine issue one by Throwing Games. Creature mm-hmm. feature quarterly volume one. There's uh, reunification, a letter-writing game about reconciliation, yes. and um, more. I mean, I'm not going to list, not gonna list well, them all, well, but... Um, well, Ed is ready to jump the, in and tell us all about... There, there was actually one, which is now finished, uh, called The Irizone. It finished uh, yesterday, actually, as of recording. Wow. And uh, that was that was written by yours truly. It was offering uh, material for all of the era games. Mm, sort of uh, nice. missions, and uh, uh, I, I know I know Peter will be very very sad if he didn't subscribe and get issue two because uh, there are actually stats for the alien fighters in Era Balam in issue two. I have uh, succumbed to uh, popular demand, <laughs> um, but yeah, no. Uh, uh, and tell us a damn thing about the aliens <laughs> in your game. Yeah, quite sad. <laughs> So someone, someone say that's part of finishing your game. Uh, anyway. Well, that, then, then those people don't understand the game very well. <laughs> so, 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 how, so how did you find that, Ed, doing the whole sort of uh, uh, Zine Quest thing? Uh, yeah, so because that was quite a quick one, I think. Yeah, I mean, my, mine, uh, I deliberately did it for 10 days because, as I think you guys already know, 
uh, I'm planning something quite big at the end of this month, so I kind of mm. had to get in at the start of the window and, and finish and have a couple of weeks before I then moved on to the rest of the stuff. I, you know, I found that I found the Kickstarter guys very, very supportive. They, uh, you know, they, they really wanted this to be a big deal as much as possible. Uh, Luke Crane, mm-hmm. uh, head of games in particular. Yeah. Uh, there's there's actually a Kickstarter games creator Slack, which I'm part of. Uh, I think you have to have run a certain number of games Kickstarters before they put you in there. What, what what's a Slack? Sort of like an instant messenger client uh, for for group. It's, it's, on, oh, it's on the like, internet. Like Discord or whatever. It's on the internet. <laughs> I, I believe it was designed oh, no, as a successor. I believe it was designed as a successor for IRC. Um, so it's got a lot oh, of uh, it's got a lot of the similar feels, and a lot of people even use it oh. for in uh, professional work now. So my last two jobs, actually, we we've had a work Slack that we use to communicate. Yeah, a lot of companies so, use them. Yeah. Oh, so you use some sort of internet chat program? <laughs> yeah, oh, something like that. Um, but uh, okay. But yeah, I mean, um, he you know he was uh, on the on the Slack, and you know I've seen. I've seen about twenty or thirty people say that they're launching stuff um, for the for the Zine Quest. Sorry, Zine Quest. I'm very sorry. <laughs> Zine Quest. <laughs> I will call it that here, and then go back to calling it the correct thing when I'm when I'm not on the podcast anymore. You you do know we are recording this, though. I, I, I am aware of that, but you know, also everyone knows, you know, that that I'm just accommodating you and trying to make you look stupid. Um, He's people person, Russ. <laughs> Um, but no, I mean, the Kickstarter guys were really, really supportive. Uh, mine actually became a project we love, um, mm. which was nice. I actually think mine might have been one of the first to launch uh, because I was literally one hour after the window opened. Yeah, it must have been then, yeah. Um, nice. I overslept. Um, <laughs> yeah. so, so when does the Kickstarter window end, uh, uh, You have to have launched by the end of February. Yeah, so, so, it's it's okay, so February. if you're not a couple of weeks left, by, yeah. the end, by 28th February, then it'll Correct. be too late. So and it's based on Eastern out, Standards. I mean, that, that doesn't mean you can't then continue to have a Kickstarter of for course. a sign. It just of means course. you won't be part of that particular It'll be less promotion. Yeah. 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 And, and yeah. I've got to say, as someone who's participated in a lot of Kickstarters little initiatives, uh, last mm-hmm. year they did yeah. uh, they did a few that I participated in, such as Make 100, where you make 100 unique things. I think they did that this year, and I think I might have spoken about it about Liars, because Liars was also... A, uh, the recent last mm. Kickstarter was a Make 100. Um, but they also oh. did one uh, between the two Voyager probe anniversaries uh, mm. of the launch. Um, and that's actually where Irabalam came from. Because uh, it was inspired oh. by the Voyager probes and what might go horribly wrong if they ever crashed on an alien planet. Okay. Yes, very inspiring and uplifting for all of humankind. Irabalam uh, flows far from here. With, um, <laughs> as, as, yeah, well, indeed, it's not, not entirely dissimilar. Alien fighter pilot, alien fighters and aircraft and um, wreck all of humanity stuff mm. because I don't know their means. Well, no, uh, because uh, probe from humanity landed on their home planet and, and landed on a power power station, blew up the power station and everyone had to leave the planet and they were a bit upset. Sort of evil Battlestar yeah, Galactica. Hmm. Oh, right, we've got more yeah. news. Anyway, yes. Sorry. Really? We have much more well, news. I thought we were done. I say much more uh... news, I mean a bit more news. I say, okay, I say a bit on. more news, I mean, you know, like some couple. Yeah. Right, so... How about some D&D stats? I know that's your favourite topic, Peter. D&D stats. Oh, it'll be still my beating heart. So, So, um, you know D&D Beyond, the sort of online tool set, stroke character builder, stroke rules reference thing, which is uh, officially licensed to to do that. Um, They've been releasing stats about characters 
that have been built oh. using their tool set. And they've got millions of them. They said like nine million of them. So, you know, it's a very, very heavily used um, feature. Oh. And uh, just revealing some stats about the sort of characters people are playing and what are the most popular classes, races, tiers of play, all that sort of stuff. Oh. So, um, variant humans quite popular yeah I mean they've released quite a lot they've released a few graphs with more details so I'll just like cover the sort of like the top level detail then people who are interested can look in the Kickstarter notes follow them through and get the the graphs with all the all the all the details but um so um the first information that you can glean from it is that 90% of D&D games stop by level 10 I mean I think that's not unsurprising if if you you look at the various tiers on their graph you can see a great big tier one with like 62 percent of characters and then tier two is about 26 percent uh tier three is about five percent and then uh, yeah Tier four is actually slightly higher than tier three, bizarrely, at just over five percent. But you, uh, see you know what? Is... That's going to be that's going to be people who start what? at that level who want to do a campaign at that level to start with. I think what it also might be is people who are just making builds out of curiosity for fun, and they're going right. What if I make a oh, I'm aiming a for that level. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. In- interestingly, at the higher levels. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, the fighter is um, the most common class at lower levels, as you would expect. Mm-hmm. And pretty much all the way through, the fighter sort of reigns supreme all the way through. But um, the wizard becomes more popular in tiers three and four mm-hmm. than it was in tiers one and two. Well, so low-level yes. wizards are unpopular, yeah. but higher-level wizards are more popular as characters. Yeah, that's because mm. of the way wizards are Man built. Stop. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, conversely, the cleric and the ranger both have a strong presence at the lower tiers but they drop off at the higher tiers. Also not massively okay. surprising to me. Mm. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, anything surprising come out of the results, Travis? Whoa, this <laughs> is the sarcasm no, oh, no, dripping there. <laughs> oh, no, 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 look but, at that. That's some burn, that is. That's some burn. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm being mean. You are being mean. Uh, but yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, and it, it, it is surprising. Maybe it's for, obvious to like, you, Peter, but it might not be obvious to everybody. And they, we have well, listeners, absolutely. you remember. <laughs> That's true, listeners. Okay, so... There's an interesting uh, chart on the different races. So humans, as, as you mm-hmm. may have guessed, are the most common choice. 20%, uh, 22% of races are, are mm-hmm. human. Okay. I'm betting elves comes quite high up. Uh, well, it's followed by half-elves. Ah, but interesting, which... interesting, mm. it's then tieflings and dragonborn before, before elves actually show up. Huh. Okay, yeah, makes sense. So, those, those are pretty exciting. It's like tiefling, in my mind, are sort of like the new drow, mm. in that you get to be um, play around with stories of characters with dark and tragic past. And you get horns. But without the. Yeah, you get the and horns. Who doesn't Sorry, want uh, horns? You get a pair of horns. Exactly. Um, but without the crippling mechanical disadvantage that comes with sunlight sensitivity, which is like disadvantage on all roles made. Involving direct sunlight. I'm fairly sure I. I'm fairly sure I have sunlight sensitivity, to be honest. <laughs> so, what do you think the lowest, lowest used character race is? I'm going to bet on a drow monk. Ooh, so it's just I race think... we're talking here. Oh, oh we? just race. Um, yeah. hmm. I'm going to say dwarf because people hate dwarfs no, for no good no, no, reason. No, no, no. I reckon. I but, reckon we're going to talk about something that's that's a little bit exotic and no one's ever heard of. Um, oh, like what's what the bird people call the Arca Crocker Possibly, possibly those guys. I mean, Yuan T. I imagine would rate pretty low. 
Oh, I would play, I would you, play you Anti like as well, but that. people don't think of it. Okay. That's well, interestingly, yeah, that's interestingly, it's the Deep Gnome. The Deep Gnome. Or the Swerf Neblin, as it's known. Yes. I, I did say um, it would be something you obscure. You can find those <laughs> in uh, the Elemental Evils Player Companion, which is a free download from DM's hmm. Guild. And that will also give you things like the Genocide, which are um, half human, half elemental sorts of jazz. They're pretty cool. Cool. So uh, we, we then got an overall look at classes rather than uh, the previous mm. one was them divided by tier where you could see where it changed as they went up to it. So an overall look at classes, which is really mm-hmm. unsurprising. Um, the, the top four are the mm. traditional four D&D classes, essentially. Fighter, Rogue, Cleric, Wizard. Okay, yeah. And then you've got Ranger, Barbarian, Warlock, Paladin, Bard, Sorcerer, Monk, and Druid right down at the bottom. Poor little Druid. As someone who plays a monk... Yes. <laughs> yes. I am Monk unique. only just edges out the druid there. Only just by one by 0.1% in fact. It's probably just me then. Probably just well, you. You are that you are that 0.1%. But but I play a druid. Ah. <laughs> I also play a fighter. So yeah, it will depend. Oh yeah, but druid, druids are quite popular in the Adventures League game we've got going at the moment. Mm. There's several of them kicking around. Possibly because they are big believers in that you should never take a sword to a battle. Right, now we know where that 0.1% comes from. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, on this uh, immensely long stats section, yes. uh, subclasses. Uh, Which obviously is a much bigger table because there's lots and lots and lots and lots of subclasses. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the uh, most popular subclass with ten over 10% of subclasses mm-hmm. uh, is the life domain for the cleric. Okay, I can see it that. It's followed by a couple of uh, sorcerer uh, bloodlines, the Draconic bloodline and the Fiend. Neither of those surprised yeah. me, given that Dragonborn and Tiefling were some of the top characters. True, true, true. And then we then we but, then but, we got the champion, and right at the bottom we got the swashbuckler down there with one point really three no percent. Play that apparently. That was top ten subclasses. Oh, top ten subclasses. Out of hmm? yeah. Sorry, I, I thought you said oh, oh, no, you, no one what, said ten. Oh, what? It, oh, is is what is Swashbuckler like the least picked? Yes. Or did they give you all the subclasses? Oh, what just just in general? Really? Someone better tell Seventh wow. C that no one wants to play a Swashbuckler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, interestingly, uh, D and they know the last time they looked, um, the yeah, most sure. popular subclass was the Hexblade, and that barely features <laughs> really? now. It's dropped all the way down to two point eight percent. It's like you know, drop from the top position all the way down to near the bottom. Quite a lot yeah. of churn then. Hmm. So a few more quick news items. WizKids has announced the next in the Icons of the Realm sort of pre-painted, pre-painted, pre-painted plastic miniatures. Um, these uh-huh. are based on Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Forty-four figures, um, randomly packed in boosters, each of which features one large or huge figure and three small or medium. Okay. And yeah. um, there's also a train set which is called Halaster's Lab, and that uh, that has uh, four corpses. In different positions, uh, two large candles, a bookshelf with a dragon skull, a Baylor claw, a giant hourglass, two tables, a stone magic circle, and more. That's not the only miniatures that WizKids has um, announced. Oh yes, yes, yes. Um, a whole load of Pathfinder Second Edition miniatures. Because, oh, as nice. you know, Pathfinder Second Edition launches in August. Oh. Uh, so uh, there's a, a pack of eight miniatures. Uh, two mm-hmm. two goblins, two orcs, bugbear, hobgoblin, an armoured elf warrior, and a halfling slinger. And that's timed to release at the same time as the uh, Pathfinder 2nd edition rules. 
Ah, and then it'll be nice. followed by a legendary adventure set featuring 44 miniatures. Oh. I'm not entirely sure how they'll differ from the many, many, many thousands of miniatures Pathfinder's already released. I assume a goblin looks the same in second edition as it does in the first. I don't know. Couldn't tell you. Are you <laughs> familiar with the Bampsies Awards? Yes. The what? I am, Bampsies. B-A-M-F-S-I-E-S. I'm not sure what it stands for, but I'm pretty sure it's related to superhero role-playing games. Yes. So basically there's a podcast called the BAMF Podcast. I don't know what B-A-M-F, BAMF stands for. Um, but they do the, the, the BAMFs, BAMFsies every year. And um, it's all about superhero role-playing games. The uh, judges' spotlight winner was uh, Stigmata. No, Sigmata, sorry. Um, this signal okay. kills fascists. Nice. Uh, so also there was the Basic Heroes Handbook for Mutants and Masterminds. Nice, there was nice. the Capers RPG, and there was Survive This Vigilante City. Nice. And then the winner of their Gamer's Choice poll was Basic Heroes Handbook for Mutants and Masterminds, with second place going to Sigmata. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. yeah, that sounds intriguing. Okay, moving on, moving on, moving on. Uh, the Talisman board game series is returning later this year. A new edition of the game, uh, launching a new franchise of the Magic Quest games, um, following up the revised fourth edition released by Fantasy Flight Games. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're going to be releasing more information at the New York Toy Fair, which is, when's that, this week? I'm not sure when that is. Oh, I think uh, it's round about now. Right. I think it may have, may have been this weekend just gone, actually, or it might be maybe just coming. I'm not sure. Oh, I wasn't planning on going, so no, it's not me something neither, I had to do. Me neither, me neither. D&D yeah. sort of ended up on Fox News this week. Really? Uh, so Patton Oswald was uh, mocking Super Bowl um, snacks, and he posted a uh, uh, a picture. Well, first of all, uh, a Fox News anchor called uh, Dana yeah. Perino posted an image of her yeah. Super Bowl spread, which includes yeah, yeah, something yeah. Um, which she calls uh, I don't know how you pronounce it queso queso q u e s o. I think it's a Mexican. Yeah, a Mexican, that's cheese. Yeah. yeah. Cheese in Spanish. Uh, yeah. And uh, apparent, apparently people didn't feel that actually what she posted resembled what they understood that to be. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, uh, no, so she, Patton she, Oswald, she she um, he, he took um, the original deities and demigods art of uh, Shub Nigurath and tweeted yeah. a picture of that. And uh, that got the attention of Fox News, who used it as an example of, um, yeah. of the mockery. <laughs> Surrounding this entire dish, yeah. Um, of course, I've I've, I've oh. got deities and demigods, and my my copy doesn't have that piece of art because I don't have the original copy before oh. the whole copyright thing where where it got removed. Right. So if right. you do, if, so oh, if, yes, if, if your um, copy of deities and demigods does have that piece of art in it, hang on to it. It's pretty rare. Yeah, indeed, and uh, a bit real piece of gaming mm. history. You have the uh, Cthulhu esque entities, or maybe well, yeah, Cthulhu esque and presumably the Meltbone yeah. entities yeah. as well. Yeah, well, mine ha- mine, have, nice. mine doesn't have either of those. Uh, I know, it is sad, it is sad. Uh, Let's go on with the news. We have got some Star Trek Adventures releases coming up. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And that's uh, Medicius, isn't it? Yes, it is. Um, So in February, they're releasing... uh, There's there's three hardcovers coming. Uh, In February, uh, there's Science Division. Yep. In July, there's the Alpha Quadrant. And Uh in August, there's Strange New Worlds, uh, which is nine original missions. It's a book of adventures, essentially. Yeah, that'll be the original series sort of vibe, I would hope. Yeah, I mean this is this is volume uh, two of two their of their mission compendiums. So they've done they've done one like this before. Okay. But yeah, they're coming out for Star nice. Trek Adventures this year. 
So uh, I released a new book. Woo-hoo. Congratulations. Uh, after, obviously, just read last week. Uh, this week, I have released yeah. Spirits of Manhattan, finally. So this is where you play uh, Manhattan-based um, exterminators of ghosts. Uh, people who you call if uh, you have some sort of trouble in your neighbourhood. Yeah, yeah, I suppose you could... You could decide to contact That's who you're yes, going to call. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so this uh, is, uh, ghost investigators of Spirit Manhattan. Exterminator. Something like that, yeah. Uh, so Spirits of Manhattan is uh, part of the W series, so um, it's following Xenomorphs, Dark Decade and Santiago. Um, if you recall those, uh, and it's for the What's On His New System, and it's out now. Yes, is it is it out now? Is it on Kickstarter? No, it's out. It's out now. No, as you can buy released. it now. You can go onto Amazon uh, right now and buy yourself a copy. Very it's, sweet. It's very nice. It's very nice indeed. Very yeah. nice. It's got yeah. pictures and everything. I, I, and words, pictures but, and I, words, both. My Thursday gaming group, we're, we're having a change of place, and uh, we're sort of a bit split between people who want to do horror mm. gaming and somebody who's like, but we have done so much modern day stuff we just got out of a mage mm. game apparently the ones before that were like um zombie outbreak and like a 1920s investigative and it's all really modern day very mundanely rooted whereas i'm thinking oh you know what's awesome spaceships you know what's also awesome ghosts mm-hmm. what if we combine those two things you can have um, a ghostly so spaceship thinking, yes or ghosts on a spaceship or ghosts on a spaceship or ghosts on a ghostly spaceship i know the possibilities <laughs> zombies are, on a spaceship are, do you, do you remember the nautical D&D book that's upcoming, as yet untitled? Oh, the one which had all those brilliant titles, which they're not yeah, going to use. long walk, short yes. plank, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I would buy that. <laughs> oh, shit, it's wet in here. Or, no, I don't, think, I, don't think that, I don't think that was one of them. <laughs> like, Full Fathoms 5 or something. Yeah, yeah there was like, so many good There was, good there was one called Boats and Shit, wasn't there? Something like that, was it? Was yeah, one of the titles, it was, yeah. yeah boat. Um, it wasn't quite in the boat yeah. range, but it was close. So anyway, uh, Wizards yeah. of the Coast has um, uh, leaked, I say leaked, I don't know if it's leaked, if they do it themselves, has uh, revealed um, yeah. a couple of pages yeah. from that book. Uh, mm-hmm. They're quite blurry because they revealed them on their Twitch stream and just kind of held them up to the screen and then people took screen caps of that. So it's not very high res, not yeah. super easy to read. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. one page which has a couple of what looks like a couple of big battling lobsters on it. And then uh, a couple of areas like the wave shapers quarters and the barracks, so it's some kind of some kind of area with uh, uh, various sahuagin. Is that how you pronounce that word? Oh, sahuagin. How would you pronounce it? Yeah, how I'd say it. Uh, uh, And the other one has a picture of some kind of large monster in some kind of gladiatorial pit, which appears to be underwater. Underwater gladiators. Underwater gladiators. Um, people have pointed out that there's a lot of references to the old Saltmarsh trilogy in the text. If you, if you can actually make out the text, which is quite hard because it's very blurry, but people have managed to make out references to the old uh, original Saltmarsh trilogy of modules. So it looks like it's either an updated version of that or at least is inspired by that. Oh. Okay, have they said when they want to bring that out for um, me? No, there were hints a few weeks ago that it was going to be spring. Spring's not far off, so I don't know whether... I don't know, is the answer to that question. Um, original right. hints for spring, but maybe, maybe not. Well, well, don't worry. I'm sure at some point they'll have the announcement where they announce when they're going to make the announcement of the announcement. Yes, of the announcement they will do date. that. They do do that, That'll yes. be coming along quite soon, I should think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that'll be yeah. coming. I mean, they, they're going to have their big um, weekend streamed uh-huh. promotion announcement live stream session thing 
in, I think, somewhere around May, I think it is. So there is just one last piece of news, which is a bit of bad news. Um, I'm just going to do this really quickly and then we'll move on. But um, RPG writer Zach S., um, also known as Zach Smith and Zach Sabbath, he's, uh, he's been accused by his ex-partner and two other women of um, abusive behaviour in an open letter which has been posted publicly on Facebook. And it's quite long. It's quite an unpleasant read. Um, so, you know, I'd warn anyone mm. who goes looking for it. It's not It's not a particularly pleasant read. Um, it is disturbing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he hasn't responded to this in any way yet, but it did just kind of break overnight. So, you know, mm-hmm. maybe he will, maybe he won't. I don't know. Um, uh, for those wondering who he is, he's, uh, he was in the video series I Hit It With My Axe. Um, he's known for the playing yeah. D&D with Porn Stars blog. Um, he's written several RPG books, uh, most recently for Lamentations of the Flame Princess, and he consulted yeah. on the 5th edition Player's Handbook, um, as well as having yeah. won multiple uh, Ennies. That does work for White Wolf, um, and a couple of modules yeah. of that, if I recall correctly. Um, so, yeah. yeah maybe, so quite, quite a well-known figure yeah. in the field. So if any, if any further information comes out about that, maybe we'll revisit it next week. That's basically all we know at this stage. Yeah. Well, sympathies go out to Mandy and so forth. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, let's, let's move on to more cheerful topics, shall we? Yeah. How would you like to play our favourite game in all the world? Ooh, I won uh, last time. I'd love it. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, well, I, hadn't, I hadn't recalled, but I think okay, that counts, then. therefore, um, as a winning I... streak. A 100% win rate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it is. <laughs> it is. It is technically a 100% win rate. You're yes. not wrong. It is. Marvellous. Mm. Um, okay. Uh, I, 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 see, I, I see how this goes. <laughs> so our favourite game uh, in the world. So, so, say what you like about Morris's unofficial tabletop roleplay talk. Uh, we, we, we acknowledge the concept of the home team advantage and laugh at it in that <laughs> yes. fashion. Come on then. Let's play this Go game. <laughs> it is the game where I give you the name of a Kickstarter and you try and guess what it is from just the name. And I give you a highly scientific yes. and accurate score using a very, very detailed spreadsheet. And as you know, that if you score zero on all items, yeah. a black hole is formed and the world ends. Have we changed it? I thought if it was I scored sufficient negative points. No, it has to be exactly zero. zero negative negative points. points actually save it. To each, sound good? Yeah, sounds amazing. Right. Let's do it. Who wants Ooh. to go first? I should go right. first. Show these young people how it's done. Number one. What is carbon 2185? Oh, nice. I think it is an exciting sci-fi filler game set in the year 2185. <laughs> uh, so I guess that puts it quite near future. Um, it's not well, that it's not near. going to be like... Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just Ooh. saying, 2185 isn't that near future. It's quite a long way away. Well, <laughs> yeah, like, it's pretty, pretty it's like, away. <laughs> Who knows? Might, might, get, might live to see it. Yeah. Never know. Like the early 1800s of the near past. <laughs> yeah. The early 1800s were quite recent. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, if you look at like the grand sure, history, on a, yeah, on a cosmological timescale. Yeah, yes, all right, I'll give you that. <laughs> <laughs> Even on the scale of human history, it's a blink of an eye. Right? Anyway, um, yes, carbon twenty-one eighty-five. Yeah, um, I'm hoping for. If I see that, I'm hoping because it's got carbon in. I'm hoping for exciting science. Although there is the uh, possibility of time travel. Uh, because it's like riffing, riffing off carbon dating. Uh, 2185, I'm hoping for some uh, exciting cyberpunk adventures. Hmm. 
second. Uh, I will give you six out of ten for that. Because I think it was quite easy, just from the name. And there's a, another couple of details to it. So, yeah, you are. It is cyberpunk. It is set in 2185, mm-hmm. set in the city of San Francisco. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And it's for D&D 5th edition. Ooh, so it uses, it uses the D&D rule set to create a sort of new cyberpunk tabletop RPG. 300-page core rulebook. Dystopian mm. future. Well, you know the drill, basically. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd, I'll be interested to see how they deal with the concept of guns which generally tend to break D&D quite hard. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see, I agree. Uh, So uh, £35 is a UK based run. £35 will get you the core rulebook in hardcover. Fair enough. Um, When does the Kickstarter start end? On Friday, February the 15th. This week? End of this week. Oh, well there you go. Uh, If you're listening to this when the podcast comes out, get in there quickly. And if you're listening to this on February 16th, I'm sorry, you've missed your chance. Indeed. Uh, so uh, the next one on the list, which would be for Ed, going to have to skip this one because mm-hmm. it's Cats and Cats, which I know oh. which I know Ed knows what it is because he brought it up earlier in the podcast. So we're going <laughs> to skip past Cats and Cats. Despite, can, can I just do despite it? Despite the fact and, that like, I really, really wanted to do Cats and Cats. <laughs> oh, well. Never mind. <laughs> uh, so instead, we'll move on to... Hmm. Awaken the Liborian Saga. And Liborian is spelt like li- is librarian, but it's not spelt like librarian. That didn't help at all, did it? Uh, it's spelled L-I-B-O-R-I-A-N. So it's something uh, with bank lending. Hmm. Nice. Interesting. Uh, well, that speaks to me of fantasy in general. Um, it mm-hmm. just sounds like, a, it sounds like a fantasy thing. Maybe um, Awaken, it makes me think of a, like, a, like a, a nightmare kind of uh, 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 monsters that attack you in your nightmares right kind of idea uh, I, I cannot imagine what on earth the Liborian saga actually could mean maybe it's a maybe it's a either a setting book or a campaign uh, rather than being a, 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 a game itself hmm so Ed you have just scored 79 points out of 100 how many points okay. did you? Right. How many points did you score? Six out of ten, he did. Uh, so seventy-nine to six yeah. is the score so far. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> no, no, no. You have to divide it, so it's it's, no, no, it's no, more that's like not, that's seven point nine. That's not how the works. <laughs> I, I'm I'm comfortable with this. <laughs> so, so Ed is leading seventy-nine to six at the moment. Uh, so uh, you said you said the word nightmare, and you said the word um, campaign setting for a game, which is. Pretty much exactly it. So it's a dark fantasy. Uh, it's for the Awaken RPG, and it's a campaign setting called the Liborian Saga. And it oh, says, goodness. Face- I actually know the Awaken RPG as well. Goodness, now I think of it. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out Ed actually backed this Kickstarter and got completely about no, it. No, but no. But future Ed's looking forward to his present from past <laughs> <Yeah>. Ed. <laughs> um, so it says you face the nightmares in the dark. You actually use the word nightmare, which is... Uh, which is why you are presumably leading Peter so well in this game at the moment. Uh, oh, face the nightmares in the dark and in your heart. Uh, it's a dark fantasy role-playing game. You play as one of the Vasali, a group of people who have undergone an unusual change that's given them powers. The next yes. one. Okay. Yes. Dark Naga, Haunting of Hastur. Hmm. This rings bells with me. Well. Haunting of... Is there a, a semicolon? Uh, sorry, not a semicolon. A full colon lurking in there. There is a hyphen. With a dash. A dash, if you will. Between Naga and... Haunting. The. 
and haunting of Hestad. Okay, so... Yes, it's not between think, haunting and of, because that would be weird. Yeah, that would be super <laughs> Dark Naga, haunting of Hestad. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that would be Hestad's role-playing game. <laughs> but that's not the game I'm playing right now. I'm trying to answer what this actually is. I think Dark Naga are the studio that have produced it. Um, and haunting of Hester, it will be a uh, well Lovecraftian setting. Obviously, Hester being one of the major gods there. Uh, Cthulhu investigating it. I'm going to take a bit of a bit of a gamble. I am hoping for a medieval uh, theme or like that sort of medieval fantasy style for the set, for the time period. That's what I'm hoping for. I'm probably not right, but uh, that would be very cool. Hmm. How am I doing? Uh, hmm. Uh, hmm. Uh, I'd say you get. I'm sorry for making the confused noises. <laughs> <Just saying>. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, not, well, it's not that, but you're not. You're not like a million moles. You're not like you haven't like catastrophically gone off the rails. Um. So five okay. out of ten. Just a bit. Woo. Uh. So Dark Naga is in fact the company, as you said, Dark Naga Adventures. Mm-hmm. Um, the Haunting of um, Hasta is uh, Omnibus edition of the Haunting of Hasta modules. Ah. Um, so it's, it was a campaign designed to integrate with the starting adventures of the 5e box oh. set or other sort of introductory adventures for 5th edition. And, oh, okay. uh, and then it takes yeah, yeah. the party up through level 12. Um, so mm-hmm. you start on a job to investigate missing people and then you're pulled into mm-hmm. a confrontation... A, con- a what? What did I say? It's the confrontation. <laughs> a, a confrontation. confrontation I mean um, with those go. who would bring Hasta back into the world. So it's 240 pages, hardcover, uh, full, okay. full colour interior, um, containing a whole series of adventures. So, so it's not exactly a medieval fantasy, but it is D&D. Yeah, essentially, yeah. Uh, okay. uh, it's no, also, I can see where you can It, says, it says also for OSR as well. <laughs> Oh, yeah, well, there you go. I mean, obviously, that will also be very different from any sort of European <laughs> Completely, completely different. <laughs> completely different completely in every different way. Completely different in every way, yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. Uh, anyway. So, 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 so for, for mocking me there, Ed, what's cats and cats? <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell if you're serious or not. <laughs> Oh, I suppose that would be unfair. Neither can he. Um, so, so instead, <laughs> instead, let's go with the Tome of Magical Mystery. Oh, gee. Um, I wonder what this might include. Well, it's I'm going bug. to guess <laughs> that it's probably a tome that contains magical mysteries. Mm. Um, or possibly, well, I mean, I mean, possibly spells that you can cast would be my immediate guess. Or maybe magical items or a bit of both. Um, and it, uh, y- y- you know what, I'm, I'm going to go there because there are so many out right now and we've been talking about it all day. It sounds like it's a 5e D&D book to me. That, that sounds like the kind of title people would use. Okay. What do you think? Oh, interesting. <laughs> um, so, um, I need you to choose between spells or magic items there. Oh, jeez. Um, the fate uh, of the game rests upon this choice. Where is my dice? <laughs> um, oh my god, it's tense. <laughs> I'm going with magical items. Oh yeah, I'm going with magical items. And with that answer, Ed wins the game, continuing his winning oh, streak, god. obliterating the opponent. 
It is indeed a D&D 5th edition book of 200 unique magical <laughs> items. Oh my goodness. That's unbelievable. <sighs> hey, that's an excellent title for a Kickstarter. Uh, yes. Excellent title. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, I, I, yeah, I mean, let's, let's face it, at the end of the day, <laughs> the reason we play this game is to find out whether the Kickstarter titles are any good at indicating what you're getting. Mm. And I think, I think I've just proved Ed, this is, this is a Ross level... Russ level title. It's not long enough for a Russ level title. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah you, you would have to... said Tome of Magical <laughs> Items, obviously. I would have said... 4th edition D&D. A large no, paginated book <laughs> filled with 200 <laughs> magical items organised in sequential alphabetical order. This <laughs> <laughs> would, would have been my title for the book. <laughs> unfortunately, there's a character limit <laughs> on Kickstarter titles. I know. Damn it! <laughs> Damn you, Kickstarter! Damn you! <laughs> oh, Russ, Russ, can we do a sketch? Can uh, we do a sketch? All right, then. Um, so this sketch is from our friend Shane Stacks of the Shane Plays uh, radio show and podcast. Oh, we have, cheers, we Shane. have mentioned Thank him you. before, and he's sent a sketch in before. This isn't the first of his sketches we've performed. Um, oh, um, nice. This one's this one's Cthulhu based. Call of Cthulhu fans will enjoy this one. Marvelous. Uh, and what's it called? Uh, he's called it. Now that's what I call a sanity check. Oh, marvelous, marvelous. Let's do okay, it. Let's do All it. Right. Woo. Okay, Rocky. Let me see what you have on your character sheet so far. Oh, for the love of, you've got everything in strength and dex. Classic mistake, youngster. One easily avoided, however. Not the end of the world. Just keep in mind, Worlds of Lovecraft is more of an investigative game with lots of atmosphere than your garden variety hack and slash dungeon crawler. That'll keep you sane in character creation. <laughs> yeah, just look at this sheet. <sighs> Listen, you're not going to be hacking and slashing through unended shoggoths with a big manly two-handed sword at this table. The occasional insane cultist guarding a gibbering, whispering horror from beyond Morton Ken, maybe, but they're not really the main threat. Have a revolver, or better yet, a Tommy gun handy for those insane cultists. Hmm. Revolver if you need to reuse the ropes for a bit of sneaking. Right, I do love a bit of sneaking into the main sacrificial ritual right before the climax. Ah, don't look at me like that, rookie. This isn't that game of Dragonhawk Chronicles you've been playing with your schoolmates. You knew that, right? No epic war of good versus evil and fancy schmancy tormented emo mages and their iron food brothers here. I might just look how low this power attribute score is. Shameful. By dirt of thing, Pot. What do you mean? Why is the power attribute important if it's not hack and slash? The rookie's just confused, that's all. Look, in Wars of Lovecraft, see, power isn't like brute strength or fuel for magical missiles. It's your inner resolve and charisma and whatnot. Your mental resilience and spirit. That's why it's important, though. Here's why it's really important. The higher your power, the more sanity points, rookie. What do you mean, mean, what what are sanity sanity points? points? Look, Pete, just sit back and breathe for a moment. You know how you get. Not his fault. We were all young once. In this game, the point isn't to win, you see, but to survive for as long as possible against the inevitable doom of unspeakable elder horrors and unseeable colours from space that everyone can actually see. Usually look like purple, actually. And tentacled, slimy fish people that will suck out your soul, if you're lucky. You'll either die a gruesome, mind-numbingly horrible death, just about the time you're really getting a handle on your character, or, more likely, go absolute bat-scat, whack-job, stark as nuts from all those dread sights and horror that are infinitely beyond a sane mind. 
Just a matter of when the big straitjacket from underneath reality comes for you, really. What's that? Is great immersive storytelling the point, then? Sobbing the unfolding terrible mystery in trying to prevent the final horror? No! No! Look! It's to go out as spectacularly as possible, rookie. Oh, by Howard Phillips, the man is right. Having your hair turned instantly white by the susurrations of an elder, sentient white dwarf star breathing directly into your mind would be the bottom of the scale, mate. That's kid stuff. Why? I remember one time I lost all my sanity and drove that stolen lorry full of clanking bottles of degrading nitroglycerin down a busy ice street, cackling like a loon and aiming for kittens. I don't know why there's so many kittens. Maybe there's something else. Never did find out. The crater, you know. It's a nice crater, as craters go, but pshaw! You call that fading your sanity check? I remember the time I thought I was Great Cthulhu himself and exulted in menacing a fear-struck crowd of helpless victims with my uncountable tentacles. Ah, Cthulhu had been called that night, mate. Turns out, the crowd was insane cultists, and the tentacles were these ropes with nooses I was wearing, then being tied to leering, mouldy old gargoyles in that ancient castle and all. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall that night, if you remember, Pete. Except the fall was abruptly halted in the neck of time. <laughs> yeah, nice one, Bill. But, sorry to say, fairly amateur. You remember that time I became one with all of space and time and gained ultimate and utterable knowledge, but was in fact going completely, indescribably, cosmically starkers whilst in the loo reading the Necronomicon. Amateur indeed. That certainly qualifies, and barely at that. Why, do you remember the time we were on top of a skyscraper in 30s New York City when Spooky Simon wanted to run us through some more yank stuff, like he calls it? I took one look at Azathoth, rampaging through Times Square, simultaneously pulled the pin on my grenade and popped it in my mouth like a tasty metal pineapple before executing a perfect swan dive off the roof with a big stupid grin on my face, exploding spectacularly in a blossoming flower of fire and gore exactly halfway to the busy street below. <laughs> Great times. But those pedestrians wishing they had their umbrellas that night. You see, rookie. Wait, where's he going? He took his bag and everything, and he had the snacks. Ah. Who knows? Kids these days. Listen, do you remember that time at the Mountains of Madness when? Um, yeah, so Peter, we've had a review. A review? A review. Wait, somebody said nice things about our podcast. Well, I didn't say that. <laughs> we've had a review. No, they have done. They have hey, done. Um, best from a chap from the USA. Oh, don't know where that is. Uh, is that out near Tottenham? Uh, maybe. maybe. Um, is it near Cornwall? I can't remember. I don't know. I don't know. But someone from some exotic foreign land yes. known only as the USA. Yes. Um, Q Bracken is his name. Thank you, Q Bracken. Much appreciated. Uh, they say, Morris and Peter are wonderful to listen to. Very funny, very British, and definitely one of my favourites. That's very nice. nice. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, you can listen again. We really do appreciate it. Yes. And if people could just leave us a, a quick five-star review over on iTunes or, or somewhere similar, that gives us the sort of yeah motivation I, to keep I, I, going. I, I realise that like, it sounds a bit odd to be asking for five-star reviews and you might be under some sort of weird impression that the number of stars you leave is related to the merit of the podcast. But the way the iTunes system works, it's basically if you don't put five stars then you will be ignored. So you can either leave zero stars and say mean things about us. Please don't do that. We would be sad. 
or you could give us five stars and say something like nice about yeah, us. Yeah, it's their, it's, it's their algorithms when they sort out the visibility of podcasts. Mm-hmm. Basically, they look at how many five star reviews you've got. So if you've got a thousand four star reviews, but no five star reviews, you'll probably rank lower than someone that's got two five star reviews and 30 yeah. three star reviews. Basically. Unfortunately, that is just how it works. It's a binary system. It's either a five star yeah. review or I, it's I, not. I, but ultimately, point. like the way we always love to build our podcasts is. If you liked us, tell your friends. And if you didn't like us, tell no one. (laughs) Yes, don't tell your friends. Uh, So shall we move on to the main topic of the week? We should move on to the main topic of the week. So what is our main topic of the week? Well, I figured has, if there's one thing I know about Ed Jarrett, it's that he really loves sci-fi. Mm-hmm. that we might talk about sci-fi because i understand that ed you've uh, you've written a sci-fi game um in fact both of you have written sci-fi games here i am not even having you've written played one sci-fi game i've seen sci-fi games i've seen them as well you are aware that they exist your sci-fi <laughs> yeah one of you has run the sci-fi game for me i've run a sci-fi game for one of you and i'm sure in the course of the conversation it will become apparent which is which? Yeah, because uh, you you got a Kickstarter of some minis coming out. I think Ed. I do. Um, yes. Actually, more importantly to me, anyway. Well, I mean, everyone focuses on the minis, right? Because yeah. minis, they're, they're quite pretty. They are. They are. Don't get me wrong. They are fantastic minis, and you know, I'm not. I'm not doing them down at all. But slightly more important and higher on my criteria list around this particular Kickstarter is the fact that it's actually the fifth anniversary of Era of the Consortium, the first game I ever created, mm. um, being published. So nice. you know, that's you know, five years. That's 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 quite a long time, actually. Yeah, well, well it feels um, like it to me. Uh, I, I mean, for, for some of us, maybe. created the game. <laughs> coming <laughs> on the 20th anniversary of my birth, you know, the first product I published. Oh, I feel so old. <laughs> but anyway, five years is exciting. So that. In another 15 years, that could be you. <laughs> yeah, it's not recommended. <laughs> We're, we're moving swiftly on. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, uh, Era Consortium, five years. Uh, yeah. Pretty good. I think. Uh, what, uh, what's old is new. That's. Uh, new. That that's come out. Uh, that's going on for about what's five years. What's old is he's about five years old now as well. Yeah. I did not realise yeah. it happened. That kind of that quick, kind of quick, shocked me. I honestly think still think of it as last year. It wasn't. I know what no. you mean because I, I have the same mm. thing. Yeah, it doesn't mm. feel like it was. That long ago that yeah. I was going, ah, how the hell do you even do this anyway? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean that may be because I'm still kind of trying to trying to go, how the hell do you even do this anyway? But but that that you know irrelevant. I think that's just the life condition of humanity though. I think everyone secretly does that about whatever it is they do. Yeah, fair enough. Cleverly fair disguised do. as responsible adults. Mm. Yeah. What was your first sci-fi game that you played? RPG. That I played? Yeah. Uh tabletop RPG. Yeah. yeah. Paranoia. Paranoia. Ooh. Nice. Ooh, yeah. Um, might, I was I was introduced that to might actually be my one. I was introduced to Paranoia oh. uh way back at uh, at university. Yeah. I went to the Indoor oh. Gaming Society. A uh, really, really nice guy ran a game. And okay. uh, you know, I was I was handed a challenge by the Illuminati of eliminating thirty uh, uh no, a prime number. Mm-hmm. Of clones, ah, and um, and and we had an, we had a conversation at the end because I got to sixteen, 
and then I committed suicide. Oh dear. Because I eliminated oh. a clone, and he said that didn't count. And I said, come on, that definitely counts. Yeah. I know, right? I was like, you, you, you yeah. worded that loosely, I eliminated a clone, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, no, and, and also no one could actually track it down yeah. either. No, um, I have fond <laughs> memories of paranoia as well, yeah. Apart from that GM oh, yes, who we... kept making the players do press-ups. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, 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 sorry. What, the GM made the actual players do yes. press-ups? <laughs> Dang, that's the next level meanness. <laughs> Come on. This is... Scribbles furiously. Actually, <laughs> must have been 18 actually, or so. We should probably explain what paranoia is, to be fair. For people, because like there are many people who don't know what it is. I think it would be uh, treason. Yeah. I think it would be treasonous to do so. To be honest, uh, I, 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 I think it would be treasonous it, to explain what paranoia is. So I'll simply say that you should go and look it up online. And also, it was the first game that I ever GM'd ever, mm. and it and oh, that really? was one week after the first game I played yeah. of it. <laughs> and 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 uh, the reason that I was able to do that is it is in fact against the rules for the players to know the rules. So if you're a new GM and you're a bit worried about players picking you up on sort of the ins and outs of the rules, Paranoia is a really, really good place to start because mm. they can't criticise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, so what about... If they do it, it's treason. So what about you, Peter? What was your first <laughs> sci-fi RPG? Well, um, I was thinking it was probably going to be like playing D20 Traveller or something, but no, Paranoia. Same same would, one, yeah? Would be, Paranoia too. Yeah, and at university days, yeah, yeah. Uh, just because, like, there were various things kicking around, and yeah, it was like it was D and D. There was maybe some. Va- I, I never even. I've never even actually got to play Vampire. I've played. No, played Old World of Darkness Vampire, mm. but that was the other one. It was D and D. There was, and there was Paranoia, mm. and those were the ones that were really big at university at the time. Yeah. So yeah, um, so yeah, I guess I played Paranoia too. Uh, we never played it on serious mode, so I've mm. always sort of hated Paranoia a little bit right. because because like I, I I found it very difficult to buy in to mm. it. But what I really like about it is the flavour of there's a film called The Death of Stalin mm. that came yeah, out like seen, I think yeah. about two years ago now, and that is a paranoia game. Yeah, um, I suppose. Yeah, that's quite funny. <laughs> uh, uh, well, it's, exa- it's exactly it. They're all they're all running around, having their secret plots and factions, mm. trying to work out how to live. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and like, uh, there's like a a strong chance of being shot by your own side for treason. Mm. Uh, treason being maybe that thing you did five minutes ago, which was an act of immense patriotic loyalty. Uh, so yeah, never played uh, Or indeed, in... dying in green acid. How dare you? It's oh. above your clearance level. Absolutely, it should be red acid or nothing. Mm. <laughs> well, somewhat treasonous. Well, black, black acid's all right too. So, I mean, you're you're allowed infrared af- acid. That's okay. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And somewhat treasonously, so, so my first sci-fi RPG was not paranoia. I actually feel bad about right. that now. <laughs> I forget. <laughs> but frankly, it was um, Fass's Star Trek RPG many many years ago. Fass's Star Trek RPG. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Yes. We'd, be, we'd be playing uh, AD and D first edition for ages, and we just decided to try something different because we were all a little bit bored mm-hmm. of, of fantasy. And um, mm-hmm. we were Star Trek fans. And But anyway, so yeah, w- walked in, saw that on the shelf, took that home, and then took that to school. And uh, yeah, mm. and that's been, uh, yeah, one of my favourite... Even looking back on it, it's not a fantastic game, but it's still one of my favourites, just because of the nostalgia factor. And I've still got that original box set, the same one, even though it's falling apart now and, you know, taped up and all this sort of stuff to keep it together. But I still have it, and uh, yeah, love it to bits, that box set. Was this the one where you had to roll to switch on your tricorder as all, like, pools of D6 and so no, forth like no, that? No, it's a percentile game, that was. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Uh, you had your the right. character sheet was you know like Call of Cthulhu character sheets, which the bottom half of the character sheet is like a million skills. Yeah, all, about all that, percentile yeah. skills. <laughs> well, Fass's system back then was like that too. So basically, the bottom okay, half okay. of the character sheet would be filled filled with skills. A lot of which, because it was Star Trek, mm. were scientific skills, which I kind of liked yep. about it as well, because a lot of them were cerebral skills rather, mm. than, rather than other things. Touching things. Yeah. I mean, I had those yeah. two, obviously, but, um, mm. you know, you could have astrophysics and uh, botany and, you know, all different sciences. Yeah, I, I think one of the things is, like, I was, because my group is looking for that new game, mm. my first group, I think a lot of people end up playing fantasy by default because everyone knows what fantasy mm. is but what is science fiction and what manner of science fiction are you going to play? Like if I say that, like if I said, guys, let, let's, let's play some fantasy thing. You would have bring certain aspect to expectations sure. to the table. You'd expect to have a fighty man, like a maybe a wizard, that sort of thing. That would be well within your ballpark. Mm-hmm. But if I say, let's play some sci-fi, what am I suggesting? Do you think sci-fi's maybe a broader canvas then? Is that what you're saying? So you'd have to be more specific and say, let's play Star Wars, and then people know what that is. Or, well, or, or cyberpunk, yeah. or... I, I, or I, I understand era. where you're coming from. Um, yeah. I understand where you're coming from. Actually, I, I kind of tend to agree, uh, Peter, because mm-hmm. that's really why Era the Consortium exists. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and the thing that it tries to... Well, I'm going to go further than tries to. The thing that it offers... Um, hey, there you go. Uh, it offers all of the subgenres of sci-fi within the history. So, you know, as you say, you know, many, many different subgenres. There's the there's the colonization of a new planet. There's the there's the Star Trek exploring new worlds and discovering things. There's the encountering alien races. There's the the I don't know, the Starship Troopers. Uh the the aliens are trying to kill you all. Uh there's the cyberpunk kind of stuff with the the implants and where does man end and machine mm. begin and you know, downloading your brain into things and re-uploading it again and all that kind of stuff. There's the there's the Star Wars thing, which is kind of like, oh no, the government's oppressive and it's awful, which does sort of factor into cyberpunk, but cyberpunk, mm-hmm. I find, tends to be a bit more restricted it, in geography. Yeah, it's it's more of a local sort of, maybe often a city-based game, Sure. and your problem isn't the government, it's your hostile corporations yeah. Yeah. that you're trying to work around, these extra-governmental organisations. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And and mm. I mean Eclipse Phase actually does a really nice job of somewhere in the middle mm. of that. Um okay. because it, it offers you kind of the whole solar system and, and it really is fairly extensive uh within that. I personally didn't love the system, but mm-hmm. uh particularly the hacking rules, I found them a bit clunky. Mm. But but the setting, really, really enjoyed it. You know, and, and the, the thing is that the in order to do all of these different games, you have to go out and buy a different game. Yes. That's very true. And as a sci-fi fan who loves all sci-fi, mm. Mm. that annoys me a bit. Um, yeah. You know, I, I look at that and go, okay, but, you know, I, I want to I do this, and then I want to do that, and then I want to do this, and then I want to do that, and I want it all to be different. Um, Firefly, another example of something that's not quite the same, but could kind of slot into other things, mm. but not mm. quite the same, and then the system doesn't quite handle it perfectly, so you end up mm. having to spend ages tweaking it, and... Yeah, so for me, that's why Era of the Consortium came into existence, because it was really all about how do I create something that gives you all of sci-fi as you're playing, as your playground. Mm. Not all in the same game. Uh, all within the same game, but um, uh, you, you kind of pick your subgenre mm. by choosing yeah. where in the history you hop in. The, the yeah. His- yeah. yeah, so you've got, you've got the setting as well yeah. of Era of the Consortium. 
Whereas I think I think Rush, you took like a different approach when you were doing new. Well, I don't have a setting. That's the thing. I have, it's a tool, it's more of a toolkit yeah. kind of. It's like you buy I don't yeah. know sort of the D and D player's handbook. It doesn't have a it doesn't say this is the setting. You know, you're taking, and you either buy a separate setting or you create your own setting. So that's the approach I took. Yeah. So it's, it's a totally different approach. It's, uh, yeah, I, 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 actually it is. It's the complete opposite end. Because mm. I've gone, oh, yeah. you need a setting to play all of these things. And yeah. you can play all of these things. And yeah. your, your approach to exactly the same problem was, nah, you know what, you want to play Star Wars, play Star Wars, here are, here are the rules sure. will cover it. Yeah. And you want to play Star Trek, here, uh, same rules will cover it. You're fine. Yeah. Don't worry the, about the, it. The tech, the tech level setting, I think, was a the tech level dial. Is that, is that yeah, I mean, that's, I that's, that's an old old mechanic going yeah. back to Traveller yeah. and all sorts of games like that and GURPS has used it and things like that. So it's mm-hmm. not, you know, I don't think anyone can really claim credit for that since the 1970s. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah, that's a fairly standard mechanic. But yeah, you have a tech level thing that tells you what sort of level technology you're using in your campaign or on a specific planet or in a specific setting or whatever. Um, and, and what is sci-fi? Like, let's talk of like hard sci-fi and soft sci-fi. And it's like, what do people mean by these terms? Mm. But it's all sci-fi. We like try to blend all these mm. things. But if I say let's run a sci-fi game, I then have to immediately start narrowing Saying down the genre. Well, yeah. I, I, I think, I think that's. I, I wonder, mm. Peter, if that actually comes from the fact that fantasy, when role-playing games started, was one specific thing, mm. right? And and okay. m- not not certainly not all, and I, I don't want to I don't want to give anyone the impression I think that, but a lot of fantasy games go down a very similar route. So, what other uh, sci-fi RPGs have you guys enjoyed over the years? Well, that's the thing. Um, a lot of my experience isn't based in sci-fi. I've done a bit of D twenty Traveler, mm-hmm. which. It's not. It's not uh, the best for traveler. about three or four sessions. It's not the best traveler. Um, it was very much a spreadsheet simulator. We went from planet to planet, put, entering data into our mm-hmm. ships, uh, entry, like working out where things would sell well, and yeah. then yep, buying, yep. taking it over there and selling it. And I was like, you know, moderately enjoying it. We weren't. We didn't particularly do much. And then our final session, we were basically mugged by space pirates. I was like. Huzzah! Finally, I get to I get to do something because I'd be like, oh, I'll, I'll do shipboard security. Mm-hmm. I go out, manage to fluff both of my roles despite being a space marine on combat drugs, and uh, <laughs> then was instantly annihilated <laughs> by some scrub pirates. Laser well, at fire. least you didn't get like, killed during character creation, as Traveller is well known for. I, I, I think this version. But, of, uh, the thing is, right? I could, I could that was that better though. Yeah, there's there's a difference. Um, I I also have played a fair bit of Traveller. Love the setting. I've actually played ser- uh, sev- several different rule sets. But uh, w- one of the things I I actually like about Traveller is that aspect because at the end of the day, you you run this ex military thing and you're sat there and you and you're rolling you're rolling out your character and like okay okay. Do I push it and risk losing this statistical spreadsheet I've built up? Mm. Or do I go, no, that's enough? And, you know, mm. having that risk and having that difficulty, you haven't bonded to the character yet. It doesn't have a personality, yeah. you know? The the fact that it, no matter what, this, this person just will not die. No matter how many times you don't retire, no matter how many times you keep going, they just will not die of old age. That can build a personality. Mm. Or maybe you roll the best things you could possibly want in the first five turns, and 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 you you muster out, and you're still fine. You know, you're you're not you're not even old. You might be ex-military, mm. but you know everything you wanted to know for your character. 
and that in itself can build you a little bit to your char- for your character to begin on. And that's actually, mm-hmm. I, I think it's, I, I know that people are, oh yeah, well your character can die in character creation, but I think that having the threat of that is mm. something that makes you think harder about whether you take a risk and go for the power gamer direction, or whether you go, like, like whether you take it easy and, and maybe don't take the risk uh-huh. just to get that one extra skill point that you might not get anyway at the end of the day. Yeah. That's, that's just my thought. The problem, of course, being that, you know, gamers being gamers, it's like, well, I don't particularly attach to this character. I'll just keep on going and pushing it until I get all the, mm. like, the shiny things for risking it. I quite liked uh, the criminal career in New, which is if you take the criminal career, there's like, what's it, a D10, D6 chance of... D6. One in six. One in six chance of being nabbed by the law, and then your next career is as a prisoner, Mm. uh, which gives you a different different set of skill sets. So it's like, okay, actually, I actually really like this. It's like, it's not something I've chosen. Except it's all this because I've chosen to be a criminal. Mm, yeah, and then, and then there may be yeah. consequences for your criminal actions. Well, what what you can but, do but to avoid the that... least interesting thing. Also, but yeah, what, yeah. what you can do to avoid that problem, Peter, because I, I agree that's a valid mm. problem. What 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 yeah. I do to avoid it is I say to the players, okay, you have three tries, mm-hmm. and yeah. and then what you get is you get the people who push it really really hard the first time. They're like, okay, and then they come mm-hmm. out with the second. They come out with the second character, and maybe it can't do what they want it to do. And then they come out with a mm-hmm. third character, and, and by that time they're going, okay, I need to play a safety here, mm. right? <laughs> or maybe you're lucky and you get it right the first time and it's perfect. But most people will push it too far the first time going, oh, yeah, yeah, it's fine. I've got, I've got two more tries. It doesn't even matter anyway. And then I find that people have a disaster the second time because <laughs> they're like, oh, man, I could play this character, but it would be terrible. <laughs> so they start yeah. playing a safety game. Uh, and that that makes people think a lot harder about what what character they create. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, death is well. I mean, that, that 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 does work very nicely. I suppose the consequence if you don't make it on the third is you tell them that they couldn't play. No, 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 no. Uh, you hand them a GM created character that I had in advance, and you say, "Sorry, you have to play this. You have no choice. You die." Cause, I mean, if you've got randomly rolled stats, that sounds quite mm. tempting to me, Ed, because I I can't roll stat dice for the film. It's like my life's like, no, you may have a 12. <laughs> I'm like, it's three dice. No, it's well, 12, 12. 12 is above average. <laughs> Just. <laughs> Has your best stat. Has yeah. your best stat. Anyway. Yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, okay. Mm. Um, yeah so, so, so death is not that interesting as a result. As consequence, it's easy. It's an easy way just, to raise gonna, the stakes. I'm like, just oh, going to take death. that quote straight out of the podcast and just like use that out of context. Peter just like, death is just not that interesting. <laughs> well, it's not just lie there and you're not really, you're not really participating anymore, are you? <laughs> I mean, I mean that, 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 all of that said, right, mm-hmm. uh, about, about death not being interesting. And, I, and I, I do understand where you're coming from. But at the end of the day, we're still sat here talking about the game as something unique because your character can die. It's not mm-hmm. something that's done very often, and to a degree, you've got to salute the the guts that it takes a game designer to say, by the way, your character can actually die before you ever get to play anything. Um, so I think that's probably it for this week. Um, I just want to quickly thank you, Ed, for coming on. It's been a pleasure having you here for the second time, especially seeing thank the way you, you soundly defeated me. Peter in your favourite game of all the world. Well, oh, then I'll have to come back game. so I can soundly defeat him again. Three times. 
Absolutely. If you do it three, I'm, if you, you do it three times, that means you're technically replacing him as the co-host <laughs> of the podcast. That's how it works. That's the rules. <laughs> oh, what's that? What's that? A two-one upset? I hear. <laughs> um, so no, no. yeah, thank but, you so, much, thank for you so much for coming on the podcast, Ed. Thank you very much for having me because I had a blast. Fantastic. Thank you to everyone for listening. Um, so I'm just going to sign off now. It's uh, goodbye from me, Russ. And goodbye from me, Peace Coffee, Southampton Guild of Robbers. And it's goodbye from me, Ed Jowett, Shades of Vengeance. Bye bye, everybody. That was the best podcast yet. No, I'm just joking. It was awful. The dog that was howling outside my bedroom window last night would have done a better job. I'm considering swapping Russ and Peter's heads just to see what will happen. Do let me know next week if you notice any difference.